The Trumpet Daily Program begins right now. Today's world news, what it means, where it's taking us. I bring you the one and only possible message of world peace. This is a message of hope, tremendous hope. And he said unto me, you must prophesy again. The Trumpet Daily Program begins right now. not only of sight and sound, but of mind. A journey into a wondrous land whose boundaries are that of imagination. Your next stop, the Twilight Zone. What is going on? I'm off, uh, for the weekend, I'm off at a a wonderful Missouri outreach, enjoying all kinds of fun and and games and family and, and fellowship, a great tour through a museum in Fulton, Missouri. And in my camper when I'm uh, going to bed at night. So not a lot of uh, examining the news. But then I come back and, and find out that the United States and Canada were at war against the balloons. World War flu. We're, fu- we're shooting down everything in the sky now. In Canada. In Alaska. I guess yesterday uh, somewhere off the coast of Michigan. It's, it's just amazing. To, to view all of this, whether it's just demonic activity run amok or pure propaganda or a distraction to get the focus off of what is actually destroying the United States. You're listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is the Trumpet Daily. We certainly appreciate you joining our growing audience. You can get to our live video stream of this show at our website. That's thetrumpet.com forward slash live. It was great uh, looking to or, or talking to, I should say, quite a few of our viewers in Missouri and, and hearing them and what they did as far as watching the show live or getting it on their device or uh, viewing it later on demand, uh, watching it through different, different uh, platforms besides our website. So uh, lots of different ways, of course, that you can get to this show. If you don't want to join the live stream audience, you can get to it later and also go to our website to, uh, to watch the show after the fact. So uh, a wonderful weekend, as I say. Great to see some of God's people. I think there were about uh, 90 to 100 uh, gathering together in Fulton, Missouri. And we, uh, we topped it all off with a, a visit to the Churchill Museum there in Fulton, the, the same uh, college, Westminster College, that uh, Churchill spoke at back in 1946, where he famously referred to the Iron Curtain that was lowering across uh, Europe. I'd like to spend some more time on that speech and on the insights, the understanding, the revelation that God gave to Herbert Armstrong at the same time, really, right, right at the same time as, as Churchill was sort of leaving the scene politically. Here was Mr. Armstrong warning about Russia, communism, and also boldly proclaiming the fact that Russia, or the the USSR as it became following the the Second World War, would not attack uh, the United States. Not militarily, but certainly there was a communist attack happening inside of our own country. And Mr. Armstrong, of course, was right on that. I've mentioned so many times before 
he was right. Uh, the booklet, the, fr- the brochure that we offer free of, free of charge, no cost, no obligation. If you don't have it, the 800 number, it's one 930 So after that, it was the, the six or seven hour drive home uh, during the Super Bowl, as it happens. I listened to a little bit of the audio. In fact, we come up toward the end of the, the Super Bowl. I see that it's a tight game. I asked if my wife could drive the remaining time. I got over to the passenger seat for the last few minutes of the Super Bowl, uh, which ended on a questionable holding call and then a Hail Mary pass that fell about 20 yards short. So quite a big letdown. I should have just continued driving all the way through to the... In fact, on the I-44, I was tracking three UFOs as I was driving home. UFOs galore as I returned home last night and this morning and looked at some of the headlines. Just unbelievable stuff. Unbe- this is a montage that Sam put together just to kind, of, to kind of summarize the last three days. Clip two. U.S. fighter jets downed unidentified objects over Alaska on Friday and Canada on Saturday. But at a White House briefing, officials did not disclose the incident until reporters brought it up. So I can confirm that the Department of Defense was tracking a high-altitude object over Alaska airspace in the last 24 hours. Out of an abundance of caution and at the recommendation of the Pentagon, President Biden ordered the military to down the object. And this is the third time in a week that U.S. Air Force F-22 Raptors have shot down aircraft over North America, two over the United States, and now tonight over Canada. It's also the first time in U.S. history that aircraft have been shot down over North America. You have to go back to Pearl Harbor. So this kind of combat took place, obviously. By the way, I I have real concerns about why the uh, administration is not being more forthcoming with everything that it knows. Both, by the way, both the White House and the Canadian Prime Minister did spend about 24 hours examining these objects, trying to make a decision about what to do. Both have taken their time to try and make a decision they did also make the decision to take these objects down without knowing exactly what they are or who sent them. Exactly, and so that's why we were able to do that. Again, we didn't do it on our own. We did right. it in, in, uh, in uh, clearly in, 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 in step with uh, right. Canada. Uh, we detected this object together and we defeated this object together. Officials now saying the military just shot down yet another high altitude object, this time over Lake Huron. So this would be the third uh, high altitude unidentifiable object that's been shot down over the course of the last few days here. We asked the White House and the Pentagon to provide any guests this morning to tell us more about these incidents. Both declined. Wow, Pearl Harbor type combat in the skies. That's right. We haven't seen it since 1941. U.S. Canada working together. Take down these balloons or whatever the objects are. One, there was one tweet this morning that said, uh, I think the one over Lake Huron was, was a, a shape like an octagon. <laughs> so it's a war against these unidentified objects. So much mystery. So it, and every time we, we hear of another being shot down, it just raises more questions. And, of course, the talking heads, they're out there trying to. You heard a little bit from KGP, the White House spokesperson. Here she is trying to uh, trying to explain what's the significance and what has happened between the United States and Canada just in the last uh, few days. Clip three. Why is why is the American military shooting something 
out of the sky over Canada. Because it's part of a NORAD. There is a, the NORAD is part of like a part of a it's a it's a what you call a coalition, a consortium, a, 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 so, a pact. Okay. Exactly. And so that's why we were able to do that again. We didn't do it on our own. We did right. it in in uh, in uh, clearly in in in, in, in step with uh, right. Canada. Canada. Uh, when she's away from her binder, it's a little bit more uh, difficult to give a clear and concise uh, response. Who knows? Who knows what's going on? This is General Glenn Van Herc. He is the uh, the head of U.S. North American Aerospace Defense Command and Northern Command. Listen to his response to a reporter's question, clip eight. This is for General Van Herc. Uh, because you still haven't been able to tell us what these things are that we are shooting out of the sky, uh, that raises the question, um, have you ruled out aliens or extraterrestrials? And if so, why? Because that is what everyone is asking us right now. And thanks for the question, Helene. I'll let the intel community and the uh, counterintelligence community figure that out. I haven't ruled out anything uh, at this point. General Van Herc not ruling out anything, including aliens and UFOs. You know, maybe a better question would be, can you rule out demonic influence and activity? Can you rule? Of course, I'm sure he would have said, now, come on, let's not get into that Bible stuff. But we can talk about aliens. That's right. We can talk about an alien invasion. We are not going to rule out anything. So the war against the alien invasion has begun. Listen to MSNBC. I mean, it may, it may not even be three. Th there could be four, four, four UFOs that we're talking about now. Clip nine. This is just really developing in the last couple of minutes or so. And it comes, remember, as they were exploring potentially another object that Raiders got a hit on over Montana overnight, one that Senator John Tester, the Democrat from Montana, just today said they were still investigating. It's not clear whether this is the same object that perhaps moved across to the Michigan lakes uh, or if this is another object. This would mean it's the fourth one that the U.S. has shot down since about a week ago when they first shot down the Chinese surveillance balloon. And they're really are more questions here than answers maybe montana too so let's just let's just recap the last couple of weeks the chinese spy balloon you know the massive one that could fit three buses inside that that just flies across the nation it's going for about eight ten days nobody worries about it nobody cares it finally completes its mission it's off the coast of south carolina and then then joe Obama finally uh, fires it down or shoots it down. Now it's like boom, 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 boom. Anything that they see in the sky, it's coming down. It's coming down right away. Well, well, at least that's what we're told. Where was it? The one over Lake Huron, for example, that's, that's in the middle of the country. So where was it flying to get to that point? Where did it come from? Are they all coming down through Alaska and Canada? It, you, it raises more questions then it gives answers. And you know what? This is exactly the way Joe Obama would like for it to be. What a perfect story to come at a time when, what do we have? We've got the, the laptop finally being investigated. We've got the, the Seymour Hersh story that, that the United States is responsible for blowing up the Nord Stream pipeline. You've got that just in the last week or two. You've got all of the scandal, the pay for play in bed with China, in bed with Ukraine. Oh, well, don't, and don't get, get me started on the war with Ukraine. That's kind of fallen off the front page, in case you haven't noticed. But all, Joe Obama is being exposed. And what a perfect time 
to talk about UFOs. I mean, what, what we're seeing is, is either some, some really intense demonic activity or some high-level propaganda coming from Joe Obama. And knowing what we know about America under attack, it's probably a good bit of both. That's right. Here are these, these, these scandalous stories. The Seymour Hersh story, again, it, it, maybe it's not true, but he's going into a lot of detail Quoting sources, yes, some of them anonymous. But you've got Joe Biden himself saying that if Russia goes into Ukraine, we're going we're gonna to take out the Nord Stream pipeline. That seems to be a pretty significant indication that maybe the U.S. did it. This is from Reuters today. Just today, United States tells citizens, leave Russia immediately. Happens all the time, I guess. The, the U.S. has told its citizens, I guess this comes from the State Department or, or, or the embassy in, in Moscow, leave Russia immediately due to the war in Ukraine and the risk of arbitrary arrests or harassment by Russian law enforcement agencies. It says U.S. citizens residing or traveling in, in Russia should depart immediately. That comes from the embassy over in Moscow. Exercise increased caution due to risk of wrongful detentions. And then finally, do not travel to Russia. Do not travel to Russia. In many ways, the United States is at war with Russia. The United States, at least through the, the proxy war in Ukraine. But that's a pretty significant development. It's coming from Reuters just today. Stay away from Russia. Stay away. Russia's the bad guy. China's flying all these balloons over the country. We'll just pop those balloons and not worry about that. But stay out of Russia. This is from Richard Stack over at uh, Edstone this morning. Comes from JNS. It says, the Biden administration on Friday evening notified Congress that it is waiving non-proliferation sanctions on Iran to allow Rosatom. Listen to this. Try, let's just try to wrap our minds around this. Russia's state nuclear energy corporation to profit without facing U.S. sanctions. So here's the Obama administration helping Iran to go forward with this, its pursuit of, uh, of a nuclear bomb and helping the state Russia energy company at the same time. You know, the, the country we're supposed to stay out of because, you know, we're at war with Russia, basically. It says here, the waivers roll back former President Donald Trump's sanctions on the Islamic Republic and permit Iran to cooperate with Russia at Iranian nuclear enrichment facilities. It says further on, how critics charge that the administration is allowing Iran to develop its nuclear program while enriching Russia through business with state-controlled organizations. And then it quotes Senator Ted Cruz, who says, the Biden administration is pathologically obsessed with re-entering a nuclear deal with Iran. But, but it's worse than that. It's worse than that. Yes, they're helping empower Iran, they want to roll back all the sanctions that Trump put in place, get it back to like it was with Obama. You know, Obama really was pro-Iran. He was pro-Mullahs. Let's give him the bomb. But we're also aiding and supporting this Russian energy company at the same time to do that. So Russia's the big enemy, right? That's what we're told. Russia's the big enemy. I mean, you've got to stay out of Russia. You just do whatever it takes to hurt Russia. Send all the tanks into Russia. Give them tens of billions of dollars in aid, Ukraine, so that they can fight against Russia. Except, so fight Russia at all stops, except, except when it comes to helping Iran 
to build a nuclear bomb. No wonder they want us to focus on UFOs. What a perfect distraction. UFOs, that's the big, that's the big danger. Tucker Carlson, of course, besides Seymour Hersh, Tucker Carlson has been right on top of the Nord Stream explosion. And here's what he had to say. This is from a couple weeks ago, I believe. Clip five. This is a case where you have the motive. Uh, the U.S. has long been trying to stop the Nord Stream 2 because, as Cy Hersh's story points out, uh, the U.S. has recognized that if Nord Stream 2 goes online, that will make it a lot more difficult for the U.S. to wage a proxy war against Russia because Germany will not want to be on board with cutting off its source of cheap energy. So the U.S. found an answer to that problem. They blew it up. And it's interesting. Hirsch reports that the planning for this operation began in late 2021. And that's when Russian forces were massing on the border of Ukraine and there was a threat of the invasion. But something else happened. Russia, in that same month of December 2021, when planning was underway at the White House to blow up Nord Stream 2, Russia also submitted draft treaties to the U.S. and NATO laying out detailed proposals for the U.S. and NATO to resolve their issues, to roll back NATO military infrastructure in states surrounding Russia. Now, we know what happened to that because the U.S. rejected it. It wouldn't even discuss the core issue of Ukraine not joining NATO. Instead, the U.S. chose to basically let the Russian invasion happen. And then when that happened, proceeded to engage in this operation to blow up Nord Stream 2. And they've made no secret about their embrace of this. Uh, the day after the Nord Stream 2 was sabotaged, Antony Blinken declared that this was a tremendous strategic opportunity. And most recently, you've covered this, Victoria Nuland testified in Congress that she is grateful, along with the White House, that the Nord Stream 2 is now a hulk of metal at the bottom of the sea. I, do, I mean, NATO is a coalition of European powers led by the United States. The United States just wrecked their economies I don't see how NATO stays together after this. I, I don't, but I mean, what do I know? It's as if the United States is doing its part to destroy that alliance, the NATO alliance, as Tucker said there at the end. And of course, we've, we've been saying for decades that that alliance would event, eventually break apart and that United, the United States and the UK would be on the outside looking in as those traditional enemies in the heart of Europe emerge and turn their sights on the U.S. and Britain, attack the United States and Britain. That's, of course, all prophesied in your Bible, and it's explained in the United States and Britain in Prophecy, Herbert Armstrong's classic text on Bible prophecy. Where do we fit in in the grand scheme of things prophetically? The United States and Britain, that is, the greatest single... Uh, superpower ever in history in the United States and the greatest empire ever in the world. We're, we're, be assured that we do factor into Bible prophecy. Call our operators today and request the U.S. and Britain in prophecy. Speaking of Tucker, he had a show on Friday, the, mo the most recent one, where he just talked about these movements and, and really a religious cult. That's what so many, whether it's climate change or the COVID cult or the, the you got to get the jab cult. It really is a religion. Listen to, listen to what he said, excuse me, on uh, Friday evening, clip four. No one cares about data anymore. We saw that with COVID as well. Wear a cloth mask, said Fauci, even as he privately admitted that cloth masks are useless to prevent the transmission of COVID. Take the COVID shot, Kathy Hochul told us standing in a pulpit because, and we're quoting, that's what God wants. So once again, whatever this is, 
It is not science by definition, it's religion. But despite the fact the Constitution prohibits the U.S. government from having a state religion, that now is our state religion. And it's also the religion of the media and the public health industry, which has grown dramatically over the past three years. So what happens next? Well, as it happens, we have some reference points that give us clues. Whenever you have a religious movement with no God at the center, you have disaster. That's what Marxism was. Zealots want to punish people in the name of their faith. Religious movements with, without God at the center. This is Marxism, as he, as he brings out there. And we see a lot of these kinds of movements. You know, Herbert Armstrong used to talk about evolution and, and faith in God. And he said, you know, these evolutionists, they, they have faith as well. They have faith in their belief that everything just evolved. They don't have proof. So they take this tremendous leap of faith and say, here's how it all began. Millions and millions and millions of years ago. Could be hundreds of millions, maybe 10, 20, 30 million. We're not exactly sure on that. But we know it, it started in a, in a tiny, tiny, tiny little blob, and it's just kind of evolved from there. Poof, here's how it happened. That's a religious cult right there. And there's many more like it, as Tucker just explained. I mean, you look at this world, as I say, coming back to, coming back to, uh, to Edmund here, our, my home here, and getting ready for the program today after three days of kind of being away from the news. It's kind of shocking, really, to see the mob just kind of moving from one, you know, shiny object to the next. And, and of course, in the midst of this, you've got this massive entertainment display with the Super Bowl and the, the halftime entertainment and the celebrities and all the celebrities at the game. Really, this most recent, well, the most recent one here is, <laughs> this applies to everything you're seeing as well. I mean, what a perfect time for the cover feature at the trumpet. Headline there, fake. So much fakery, just like the lip syncing during the halftime entertainment, as someone told me. I didn't see it, but uh, I'm sure it's just like every other one. Just a fake performance. And then you get into the game itself and, and all of the hype and the ads and so on. In the previous trumpet, Joel Hilliker has a, has a story. These violent delights, if you remember, it's on the modern Romans, the entire issue, basically. The similarities with us and Rome right before it fell. Mr. Hilliker says, At the height of Rome's influence, entertainment was plentiful and cheap, wrote historian Will Durant. Recitations, lectures, concerts, mimes, plays, athletic contests, prize fights, horse races, chariot races, mortal combats of men with men or beasts, not quite sham naval battles or artificial lakes. Never was a city more bountifully amused. I mean, just obsessed with entertainment and maybe some conspiracy theories here and there. Some talk about aliens, even in the highest reaches of government. You know, it was interesting. I was telling the students this uh, this morning when we were touring through that Churchill Museum in Fulton. Our guide, he was a 22-year-old that also was attending the college next door, Westminster College. And he's studying history. He's studying, uh, you know, museum history. You know, how to run a museum, I guess. I forget the exact uh, title for his, uh, his specialty. In any event, he took us right through Churchill's life all the way up to his speech in Fulton. 
1946. And he did a superb job, really. He knew his facts, and he was speaking, he was speaking from, from memory. And then a lot of us were asking him all kinds of questions, some, some questions not even related to the tour we were on. And it was just refreshing to see a young man in this world who loved history and who actually was aware of some world events that were going on, whether in Ukraine, Russia, or whatever. I was telling the students this morning, I mean, you've got some competition. There's not much of it in this world because most of them are just glued to the phone, glued to the entertainment, the violence, the gore, all of that sort of thing. Escapism, Mr. Armstrong used to talk about. Turn on the television, the one-eyed monster, and just get immersed into that for hours and hours and hours on end. I mean, he was writing about that back in the 1950s. One wonders what he'd have to say here in 2023. Mr. Hilliker says, Such descriptions have a familiar ring in today's sports-crazed culture. American football generates $17 billion a year. It has been settling, or rather setting, all-time viewership records this season. The biggest non-Super Bowl viewership in NFL history was this past Thanksgiving Day. Further on, it says, More broadly, these entertainments reflected and influenced public morals. It says the games of the circus and the amphitheater absorbed the interest in the, the, and coarsened the taste of the public, Durant wrote. The easy luxury, escapism, and self-indulgence fed into the spread of immorality, perversion, and a lust for sex and violence. He says, finally, chariot races were perilous, but the Roman public had a growing appetite for even deadlier fare. I mean, these are the times we're living in, clearly. I mean, these last two trumpet issues, as I've said so many times before, the, these issues, they're prepared weeks, sometimes months in advance. And then when they hit mailboxes, I mean, it's amazing how timely the, the feature is, always. Whether it's the modern Romans from the previous issue or this one here on all the fakery and the phoniness that we see all around us. And, and as I say... You don't often see a young man in his, his early 20s who's even observing the events of this world. A week and a half ago, there was this, this train derailment in, uh, what was it, eastern Ohio, near the border of Pennsylvania. I think it involved 100 cars on this train. 20 of them were carrying hazardous materials. This story, I mean, there, it has received some coverage from the mainstream media, but probably not enough given the, the long-term consequences of, of a disaster such as this. You know, the Nord Stream pipeline blew up, an environmental disaster, and it didn't even get any coverage to that end. And here you have all of these left-wing environmentalists that want you to change even the tiniest of things because, well, for the environment. And then these kinds of things happen. And they're happening more and more often. Listen to NBC on uh, this accident from uh, a week and a half ago, clip six. Thousands of residents under a mandatory evacuation order, police going door to door, threatening families with children with arrest if they don't leave. Police car came up and said, evacuate, evacuate, evacuate now, get out, get out. Friday night, as many as 50 of the train's 150 cars derailed en route from Illinois to Pennsylvania. Today, the response focused on five cars carrying hundreds of thousands of pounds of vinyl chloride used to make PVC pipes and vehicle upholstery, and also linked to increased risk of cancer, according to the CDC. This is a matter of life and death, 
this controlled release will actually take place and you are in imminent danger. Officials again warning residents to stay away as they use small explosives to blow holes in the train cars, hoping the hazardous material will seep into ditches where it can be burned safely away. So the government's coming in and, and basically blowing up these cars to, to get the fumes into the air so that it will hopefully dissipate as soon as is possible. But around the area, I mean, you've got animals that are getting sick, fish that are floating in, in, in creeks. And then who knows what's happening to human beings or what will happen. The long-term effects of something such as this. This is from the New York Post. It says animals are falling sick and dying near the site of a hellish Ohio train derailment last Friday, which released toxic chemicals into the air, according to reports. Says Taylor Holzer, owner of a dairy farm just outside the evacu evacuation zone in East Palestine, um, told WKBN several foxes he keeps on his property have become mortally ill. Out of nowhere, he just started coughing really hard, just shut down. And uh, he talks about the sickness and so on. It says later on, Professor Kevin, Kevin Christ um, noted that the chemical can also cause cancer of the liver and other organs. Breathe those in under heavy concentrations, and it's really bad for you. It's like, it's like an acid mist. It's not something that you want to be around in high concentrations. I wonder how many stories are bringing this out. Besides the New York Post, is CNN covering this? No wonder Joe Obama wants you focused on UFOs. I mean, this could be one of the greatest environmental disasters in U.S. history. We, we don't know. But you look at the mushroom cloud of blowing these chemicals up into the atmosphere, and then it makes you wonder. Happened around a small town, but, but still, still. Listen to this local report from one of the communities nearby, clip six. We now know three more chemicals that were on board the Norfolk Southern train that derailed here in East Palestine just over a week ago. And we're being told that some of those chemicals are dangerous. We basically nuked a town with chemicals so we could get a railroad open. I was kind of surprised that when they quickly told the people they can go back home, but then said if they feel like they want their, uh, their homes tested, uh, they can have them tested. I, I would have far rather they did all the testing. Caggiano says it's possible some of these chemicals could still be present in homes and on objects until you clean them thoroughly. Oh, there's a lot of what ifs, and we're going to be looking at this thing 5, 10, 15, 20 years down the line and wondering, gee, cancer clusters could pop up, you know, well water could go bad. Caggiano recommends anyone who's in the East Palestine area get a health checkup. He says get a record now of where your health stands so that moving forward you have documentation of any possibly related effects to the train derailment. That's the recommendation, get a health checkup so you have the record when you get sick. That's, I mean, this is astounding what's happening to the United States. This is just one of many disastrous events that we could talk about on this show. Couldn't possibly get into all of them with just an hour to work with. As I say, the UFO distraction is perfect. It, it comes at a perfect time. Where's the climate cult? As they're spewing all of these toxins into the air. Where are they? It's a religious cult, after all. Well, they've got a narrative, and it's, uh, you know, it's pretty narrow, and they've got to stick to that. Just get your, hey, 
Just get your electric vehicle and shut up. How about that? I mean, you've got all the ads on the Super Bowl for the electric vehicle. So that's what we've got to do to save the world. And meanwhile, these things are happening. And some things like Nord Stream, I mean, somebody blew it up. Somebody blew it up and sent all of that gas into the atmosphere. And what if it was the United States? Is there anything more scandalous? Basically, Joe Obama triggering a war with Russia. And now the State Department, get out of Russia. Get out of Russia. Russia's the bad guy. Except when it comes to helping Iran build a nuclear bomb. That's okay. This is not God's world. You ask that general. You ask that general if there's, if there's any, should we rule out any demonic, satanic activity? You see Satan's fingerprints all over this world. There is a real spirit world. The demons, Satan and his demons, Revelation 12 says it. Look, I'm just quoting from the Bible or paraphrasing. It says the demons have been cast down to this earth together with Satan. And they're now confined to this earth. They're confined to this earth. And look at what they're doing to this earth. This uh, New York Post piece says here, the Wisconsin Department of Health Services also has a more recent information sheet on vinyl chloride, which said human and animal studies show higher rates of liver, lung, and several other types of cancer. I mean, we're, all, we're already dealing with the after effects of this deadly, this deadly mRNA technology that's just killing people, giving them heart problems. One woman in the House of Representatives testified to that before these Twitter people who basically censored any information that would suggest that the vaccines could be dangerous or have harmful side effects. She says, look, I, I have asthma now. As soon as I got the jab, I got asthma and it's not going away. And I've got other, I've got other problems as a result of the vaccine. And you guys, you guys at Twitter, you blotted out any, any dissenting voices. If it, you, you either go the way of Fauci or you don't get a voice. That's the world of today. You, you like Tucker said, you uh, have a religion without God at the center. And this is what we see. This is what we're experiencing. It's all over the place. New York Post says, being exposed to vinyl chloride can affect a person's liver, kidney, lung, spleen, nervous system, and blood. People exposed to extremely high levels may have an increased risk of miscarriage and birth defects. Damage to male sperm-producing organs has occurred in laboratory animals. So that's what's just been spewing out into the air, in and around. I think it's Palestine in uh, eastern Ohio. So many problems in this world. A world of, of perilous events. Perilous times, as Paul said in 2 Timothy 3. A dangerous world, for sure. There, there is hope, however. And that hope is in the return of Jesus Christ. And how sad is it to see even prominent people so casually talk about UFOs and, and aliens but they can't talk about God. They can't talk about the spirit world. They can't talk about the return of Jesus Christ to put an end to this madness. And that's what, it's, that's what it is. It's just madness. You see it every day. 
it's on display. And sometimes it can be more shocking when you step away from it for three or four days. And then you come back and you're, you're like, what is going on? What is happening? What are people thinking? What is wrong with people's minds? Well, there are answers to these questions. I'd refer you to Mystery of the Ages. Firstly, that's Herbert Armstrong's final work from 1985, his masterpiece. We have it available to you or for you because of a six-year court battle, six years of litigation, the fight to reproduce and to distribute Mystery of the Ages by Herbert W. Armstrong, the 800 number. It's one 930 3024. You're listening to Stephen Flurry. This is the Trumpet Daily, and we'll be right back. This is KPCG FM, and this is the Trumpet Daily. The developed nations have made awesome progress. They have produced a highly mechanized world, providing every luxury, modern convenience, and means of pleasure. Yet they are cursed with crime, violence, injustice, sickness and disease, broken homes and families. At the same time, more than one half the world is living in illiteracy, abject poverty, filth and squalor. Violence and destruction are rapidly multiplying. Many ask, why, if God exists, does he allow so much violence and human suffering? To understand the reason behind this astonishing paradox, request a complimentary copy of Mystery of the Ages. We were born into this 20th century world as it is. We take it for granted, but we can't explain it. It's like viewing a movie at a point already near the end. We see what is occurring at that point, but not having seen it from the beginning and not knowing how events developed to the point of viewing, we simply cannot understand what we are seeing. Mystery of the Ages transports you back to the beginning of the movie, to the foundation of this present evil world. To learn more, please visit thetrumpet.com. The Trumpet Daily. On the uh, final show that I did last week, I guess that was Thursday. Thanks, by the way, to Sam for filling in on Friday's show while I was driving up to Missouri, tracking all those UFOs. Fun times. Anyway, I mentioned this example at the end of Thursday's show about Herbert Armstrong back in the day when he really wanted to discipline himself and and be an early riser, as he said in the autobiography, the early bird gets the worm. (laughs) The early bird gets it. It's like the the birds outside my front window. Every morning when the sun's coming up, the robins come in, and uh, we have a cedar tree that uh, sheds all of these these, uh, tiny berries. And they're out there early, not to get worms in that sense, but uh, to get the, the berries for sure before they're all taken. You've got to rise early. Mr. Armstrong learned this. If you want to be a success, you've got to rise early. He says here, A successful man must discipline himself. I had determined to establish the habit of being an early riser. I could not always depend on hotel clerks getting me up. Uh, he did a lot of traveling back in the days when he was conducting those surveys and, and working with ad, ad campaigns and so on. 
But he says, I could not always depend on hotel clerks getting me up by a phone call in the mornings, especially in smaller town hotels. So I purchased a baby bin alarm clock, which I carried with me. But I found myself drowsily turning off the alarm, turning over and going back to sleep. I think we've all been there before, hitting that snooze button. So he resorted to the, the, the help of a bellboy and basically said, look, I'll give you a half dollar. If you come up to my hotel room, you bang on that door and you keep banging on that door until I answer it. And then he said, and I want you to stay until I get up and get dressed as well. It says here, you may be sure that, well, let me back up. You pound on my door at 6 a.m. until I uh, get up and let you in. Then you stay here until you see I'm dressed. (laughs) And that half dollar is yours. Mr. Armstrong said, you may be sure I didn't roll over and go back to sleep at 6 a.m. next morning. This system worked so well, I kept it up until the early bird habit was established. This is the paragraph I read to you last week. This was one more example of having to put a prod on myself to drive the self to do what ought to be done instead of giving in to inclination or impulse. It's just so easy to give in to what you feel like doing instead of doing what you know you ought to do. Notice this from Jeremiah 25, verse 3. It says here, From the thirteenth year of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah, Even unto this day, that is the three and twentieth year, the word of the eternal has come to me, and I have spoken unto you, rising early and speaking, but you have not hearkened. So it says there at the end of this verse, you know, look, I've been rising early to to deliver this message to you, but, you know, you can add some insights and detail to this by looking at the time frame that Jeremiah is talking about. It's a 23-year period. 23, for 23 years, I've been rising early. I've been delivering this warning message. I've been speaking to you, but you won't listen. You won't listen. This morning in class, I was emphasizing the importance of just waiting on God patiently and how that our faith has to be combined with patience. How many people have turned away from God whether in our day or going back over into the first century or all, all through the seven eras of God's church, how many have just given up, basically lacked the patience to wait on God? Maybe they had strong faith for a time, for a year, maybe two years, maybe ten years, but they couldn't wait on God. Well, but this prophecy didn't un- unfold the way that I thought that it would unfold. Well, God says we look through a glass darkly, And yet we have the general time frame of how this is all going to play out. And we have the main players. And and you look back on, again, going back to he was right, look at how many prophecies that Herbert Armstrong proclaimed for 10, 20, 30, 40 years. And even, even, even now we're beginning to see some of those prophecies coming into fulfillment. One of my colleagues was telling me over the weekend just how that if you go back to the the death of Herbert Armstrong and Malachi's message, which basically explained what was happening to that church. And and in truth, it was beginning to veer off track even right before Mr. Armstrong's death because there were so many corrupt and lawless ministers that wanted to change everything that that man was about, all his teachings, his programs. 
They were undermining his efforts to keep the church on track. And of course, when he died, then the resistance was gone. God took him out of the way. And then for four years, you had people that were, if they were paying attention, they were there looking at what was happening in the church and wondering, what is going on in the church? And what's the solution here? How do I, where do I go? And of course, Malachi's message didn't appear until four years later. And even then, when it's backed by 13 people in the middle of Oklahoma uh, with, a bu- with a budget of $80, that, that was what was in the church account early on, right at the start. There's nothing, in other words. It was like the critics said. It was a little peanut shell. It was just floating on an ocean going nowhere. And so the critics, they howled in laughter, mocked the true church. Oh, all those prophecies in Malachi's message. You mean about the Tkach administration and, you know, an, an evil Joshua and the man of sin? That's wild. That's wild interpretations of Bible prophecies. Well, it doesn't seem so wild now when you look back on it in hindsight. Many, many years later, how many people have just turned and walked away? Because maybe they had faith for a year or two, but they didn't stay with it like Jeremiah did for years. He was getting up early every day, doing the daily. And we've got to make sure that we continue. Like Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We've got to keep feeding on God's truth and word. And the more that we dig into it, the stronger our faith will grow as, as we're submitting to God's government and receiving of the power of God, his spirit. Patience and faith. I mean, Hebrews 11 is about faith. These heroes of the Bible who lived and walked by faith. And even there it says that they died without having received the promises. You mean they lived out their entire life without having received what God promised? That's right. That God just says, look, don't worry about the how and when. Just believe. Just believe. Jesus said several times in the Gospels, according to your faith, be it unto you. Just believe. Just do your part. Get up early. Rise early. You know, we all need rest. I'm not saying just, just absolutely keep to insane hours where you don't get your refreshing sleep. We need that. But, I mean, generally speaking, we, the problem is not so much that we're, we're, you know, not rising early. It's that we're not going to bed early enough. I digress. Verse 4, it says, And the Eternal has sent unto you all his servants, the prophets, rising early and sending them. But you have not hearkened nor inclined your ear to hear. All of the servants did it this way, getting up early, getting on with the work. I mean, and the great thing about this routine, the great thing about scheduling your time this way is it just brings added urgency to your daily tasks. The proverb, as I said last week, I think it's in Proverbs 20 or 21, it says, woe unto those who just love sleep. They love to just sleep away their day. There's a lot of people like that today, especially among young people. You see some of these videos that circulate on Twitter, young people talking about how they, they never want a real job. Just spoiled, rich. Deuteronomy talks about nations growing fat in more ways than one because they're just so prosperous. They've been prosperous for so long. And the thought of, of actually getting up like Mr. Armstrong learned there in his early years and making something of himself. You know, going and getting the worm. The early bird gets the worm, that mentality. 
this is from my father's book, the Jeremiah booklet, he says, God was always urgent and hardworking in sending prophets to warn Judah. Jeremiah was being inspired by God. Here's the key to our success in God's work. We must be urgent the way God is urgent. There's nothing more urgent than getting God's work done. See, if you have that sense of urgency, then you're going to spring to life. Now, you may need to do some some things like stretching or take a shower or go outside, breathe deeply to to awaken in the morning. Everyone's a little different. Some struggle uh, with waking up. Others maybe are a little more perky at the outset of the day. Either way, I mean, we have things to do. And we've, we certainly need a sense of urgency. Second Chronicles 36, this is verse 14 and 15. It says, Moreover, all the chief of the priests and the people transgressed very much after all the abomination of the heathen and polluted the house of the Eternal, which he had hallowed in Jerusalem. And the Lord God of their fathers sent to them by his messengers, rising up the times, it says, and sending because... He had compassion on his people and on his dwelling place. That rising up betimes, it's a little bit of an awkward wording in the King James, but it comes from the Hebrew word meaning to load up on the back of man or beast to start early in the morning, to to get on with your day. Load up the, the cart with all that you need to do and start early so that you can get far, so that you can go far with God. That's the sense of urgency, you see, that we need every day. Every day. Sometimes it's harder on days than it was on other days. Driving seven hours last night, by the way, made it a little bit more challenging this morning. But we still got to go forward. Even even on days when you're playing a little bit of catch-up, you still have to bring a sense of urgency. You still have to bring God into your activities, and you still have to cry out to God in prayer, and and dig into God's Word in Bible study. The Matthew Henry, Henry commentary, it says this, Let this quicken us to seek God early, that he rises betimes to send to us. The prophets that were sent rose betimes to speak to them, were diligent and faithful in their office, lost no time, slipped no opportunity of dealing with them, and therefore God is said to rise betimes. This is Matthew Henry on the verse I just read to you in Chronicles says here, the more pains ministers take in their work, the more will the people have to answer for if it be all in vain. You can see why, why God would use Herbert Armstrong. Here, here he wasn't even converted at that section of his life when, uh, that I quoted to you from, from the autobiography. He wasn't converted yet, but he really wanted to discipline himself and to be a success. And when God <laughs> struck him down, basically, and opened his mind to the truth. I mean, Mr. Armstrong really transferred that same energy and that same drive and zeal in the direction of God's purposes and plans. And look at how, as I say, look at how God used him. This is from Ephesians 6, verse 18. It says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. See, there's a lot of daily tasks that we have to attend to. We're building the family of God, and there's lots of ways that you do that. We enjoyed one of those tools over the weekend with fellowship and fun, spending time with God's family. But then there's the prayers and the supplications that go up daily. Notice 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 15. 
I may have mentioned this on uh, Thursday's show. But it says here in verse 15, For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. Paul talking about the work that he was doing for God's family. It's for your sake. Uh, I'm here to serve you. This morning in class, I'll have to get into this again. I know I've done a study before on Acts 20, but we're setting up the study of Ephesians, looking at some of the history with Paul in Ephesus. And he had this ministerial conference with the elders at Ephesus, or around Ephesus at Miletus, on his way back to Judea. And uh, he told them, look, there's going to be some grievous wolves that rise up from right in, in the midst of you. Some of you ministers, God's ministers, are going to turn bad. You're going to fall away from the truth. You're going to be seeking your own instead of serving the flock of God. You better be careful. The devil is real. And, and Paul, in the midst of that, that instruction, he referred them to the words of Jesus Christ or to, to the teachings of Jesus Christ and how that it's more blessed to give than to receive. And that's what Paul is saying here. Look, I, I've done all of this for you. I want to help you. I want to help the family of God. I want to build up the family. Everyone has a part to play. Verse 16 says, For which cause we faint not, but though the outward man perish or is perishing, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Every day we need that renewal. Every day we need that, that strength that God will provide. We need to go to that source of power that we don't have within ourselves. Now, we've got to push ourselves, like Mr. Armstrong said. We've got to discipline ourselves to get up early. And sometimes you can use very simple and practical techniques like he did to get the bellboy to help you or some other help. Today, I mean, there's so much technology that can really help in that same way. But do we use it? Do we rely upon it? Do, are we willing to make even small little changes? that will really change the, the tone and the, just the direction of the entire day. Daily renewal. We need it because the outward man is perishing, but the inward man needs to be, become stronger every day, renewed every day, like it says there in 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 16. We're out of time. <laughs> You're listening to... Stephen Flurry, this is The Trumpet Daily. Email the show if you like, td at thetrumpet.com. Thank you for joining us on today's show, and we'll see you tomorrow.